Hello and welcome to another edition of Bataan Salon. Today, our conversation will revolve around workforce development in manufacturing. And whether you work in the manufacturing industry or not, there's a truth that often eludes us as we go about our day-to-day -day responsibilities. And that is that business problems stem from people problems. When business goals aren't achieved, many of us have the tendency to make changes to a process, to implement new internal policies, or to invest in new resources in hopes that they serve as the idealistic quick fix. The reality is that steps like these are often reactionary and they do not thoughtfully consider what is typically an organization's most expensive asset, its people. Today, we'll be hearing from two talented business leaders and difference makers in manufacturing. They have kindly agreed to share their stories about the successes and the failures they've witnessed when it comes to driving business results by optimizing talent and aligning people with work. I am John Economist and Molly Lopez is my co-host today. We are consultants with Baton Global and we're very excited that you've joined us for today's salon. I'd like to welcome Molly Varankun, President of High Capacity, and Stephanie Gott, Vice President of Human Resources at Craig Tool Company. Let me give you a snapshot about our guests and the manufacturers they represent. High Capacity's mission is to set the market standards in product quality and commitment to service for new and remanufactured agricultural equipment parts to be profitable and to provide an ethical and rewarding atmosphere in which their employees reach their maximum potential. Uh, their business has quite a story starting back in 1978 when James Scratch Olson rolled up his sleeves in his garage repair shop in Bode, Iowa. Scratch took existing tractor parts, beefed them up to give local farmers higher capacity parts that could handle the growing needs of their machines. Headquartered in Humboldt, Iowa, located in the Midwest part of the United States, high capacity has expanded from clutches, water pumps, and torque amplifiers to include product lines such as seats and cab kits, air conditioning, engine overhaul kits, lights, and much more. They provide parts for thousands of implement dealers and repair shops throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. As president of her company, Molly has demonstrated history of working in the agricultural industry, She's skilled in business process improvement, change management, talent development, customer service, sales, and marketing. She contributes to business and community development efforts and often serves as a featured speaker on manufacturing, kind of like what's happening today. This is Molly professionally, but personally, Molly, tell us a little bit about your family and your world outside of high capacity. Well, thanks, John. Um, we're a family business, so there are some definite blurred lines between family and business. Um, mm -hmm. um, with about every which way I look at at work, I, I see a relative. Um, but you know, there's good and bad to that. Uh, so we we work really hard in our family at home to not talk about work. Um, my husband. Mm -hmm. And two of my daughters that are of working age, we all work uh, in the same company. But um, the younger, the younger two are just uh, uh, it's high school help. But um, we do find ourselves getting stuck talking about work, so we have to intentionally step back from that and uh, remind each other of our of our uh, rules of of being a family too. Um, we were an active family. I have three daughters, uh, all teenagers. Uh, one. 
uh, just went to college this year. So we're, we're adjusting to life with one um, out of the nest. That's mm. been a little bit of an adjustment, but um, she's close enough that we can see each other if we need to. And, uh, you know, thank goodness for technology because we're able to stay in touch. Um, but uh, then the next two are in high school and middle school. And we kind of just chase their activities. Um, we're, like I said, we're an active family. We like um, adventure, as much adventure you can as you can find in the Midwest, but we like to be outside. Um, I do coach volleyball teams that my kids play on. So um, I, I kind of, one of my favorite parts about that is to get to know the kids that they are friends with uh, on a different level. So um, that's, that's one of the ways that I spend, um, a little bit of my extra time is, is in coaching their extracurricular activities. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, welcome Molly. We're happy to have you. Thanks for sharing. And, uh, next we have, um, a leader from Craig tool company, uh, a manufacturer in Huxley, Iowa, also located in the Midwest part of the United States. Uh, I like what Craig tool says about their company. They say a tool for every task, connecting head, heart, and hands through building projects every time. Many of the employees at Craig Tool Company are woodworkers themselves, from newbies to seasoned professionals. They believe that from envisioning a project in your head and desiring it in your heart, your hands will do the work and guide you through the process. For over 30 years, Craig Tool Company has proudly helped customers experience those benefits firsthand. They are passionate about providing tools that give woodworkers a sense of accomplishment from every project they complete. They are there for their customers every step of the way to support and cheer them on throughout their building journey. Pretty awesome. As Vice President of Human Resources, Stephanie is a passionate, strategically minded executive people leader. In her field for more than two decades and experiencing multiple disciplines and industries, she has developed an expertise in partnering with business leaders to provide strategic guidance on human capital formation, engagement, and culture development throughout the organizations she has served. So Stephanie, you obviously play a very key role at Craig Tool Company, but tell us what uh, what's life like outside of work for you? Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, so I have uh, three kids as well. My uh, two oldest are daughters, they're 14 and 12. And I have a son who's nine and a half. And so we are at that super crazy busy stage of life. And so we are at lots of sports. We got soccer, baseball, basketball, volleyball, cheer, um, you name it. Uh, we are outnumbered and going in many directions. So spend a lot of time on the road. We travel out of state sometimes like we are later today for a soccer tournament. Um, and we love it though. It's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's so fun to watch them grow and develop and have success and failures that they can learn from um, and just watching them develop as good humans. So it's been fun. Um, outside of that, uh, we're very involved in our church. We live in Ankeny and um, our kids are involved in the youth program. I'm a volunteer um, within the church. We attend Bible studies. I'm on the board for the church. So we're very involved in that and really enjoy um, growing in our faith in that way. And then um, I'm also very involved in the community. So I'm on the board for Make-A-Wish um, Iowa chapter and have been for about four years. And just recently was um, chosen to serve on the Human Rights Commission that was newly formed in the city of Ankeny as well. So 
we are very busy, um, but fulfilled. So we enjoy all of those extra activities. Well, thank you. Thank you both so much. Gosh, Molly and Stephanie, the phrase, well, why don't you do something with your lives comes to mind <laughs> because professionally and personally, you seem to have it all together. Uh, so let's let's talk today and, and just know that we're grateful to have you here to learn from your experience. So as you know, our aim today is to take a deep dive into workforce development with an emphasis on optimizing talent to drive better business results. So as we approach this topic, we often see a few things. Executives shifting from business strategy to shorter term focus compared to pre-pandemic times. Operational teams rearranged, inheriting new responsibilities and tasks. And mid-level leaders jumping back and forth between daily crises and meetings with upper management to vet new ideas, all tied to shifting business strategies. So Molly and Stephanie, would you share your perspectives regarding today's manufacturing industry? How would you characterize the current focus of executives, leaders, and teams right now in your industry? Uh, Molly, why don't we start with you? For sure at HiCap, um, we have shifted our focus daily, sometimes by the hour, depending on um, there, there are crises that, that pop up here and there. A lot of them are related to how the pandemic has impacted our people. And so we've been working very hard to stay focused on our long-term goals, but also giving ourselves some space to pause, uh, maybe push the pause button on some of those long-term strategy sessions and deal with the fire that's in front of us. Um, you know, we've had we've been so thankful that a lot of the things that we've done up until this point were in place. Um, we spend some time being thankful for our cross-training program that has allowed us to keep um, uh, departments or teams fully functional. Um, those are some saving graces in, uh, in some of the times where multiple people had to be gone out of an area at the same time. Um, so we've spent a little bit of time celebrating our, our past successes and then also um, when time allows, we're, we're working to make sure that we do put intentional time into long-term strategies. But oftentimes it gets, um, we have to also consider the immediate survival needs. And with that, you know, we've been working, we've, we have a lot of very strong people that are really good at what we do, but um, you know, oftentimes we forget to take care of ourselves. We forget to just, instead of dealing with the latest product that needs to go out the door, the, the customer situation, um, we have found, we have to give ourselves daily reminders or, or maybe not daily, but constant reminders of, we know how to do the things, we have to check in with our people and we, we, we've, we spent a lot of time um, really reminding ourselves of the importance of keeping our people healthy, both physically and mentally. And that's been a, a moving target. And because while the physical health was a primary concern as isolation set in, um, just kind of COVID wariness set in, um, we, we've started to notice more of a, maybe a, a, a mental drain. And so we've had to get creative on different things that we hadn't 
that we always just taken for granted. Uh, one of the things that makes us a special company is our interaction with each other. Um, and now we've had to stop that. And so we've had to figure out different ways to connect um, and, and try to find ways where, where, where people can communicate, can interact. Um, and, and so a lot of our focus has shifted away from our, our company processes and, and really put more emphasis on how do we take care of our people? Because at the end of this, the, the people still need to be here for us to take care of our, our customers and our products and our, all the kind of the technical things. Um, so, which again, that's been a little bit um, of a, of a challenge because we're, we're, we are technical people. <laughs> so we've had to step outside of our, of our parts comfort zone and, and really focus on our people. Parts comfort zone. That's a new phrase. I think phrase <laughs> we can all hang on to. Stephanie, how about you? Yeah, I think for us, you know, uh, within the last 12 to 18 months, we have really been revisiting what our strategic initiatives are and what that looks like and reevaluating what core competencies do we have that we want to retain. Um, and you do that by deciding what's giving you a competitive advantage. And so there are some things that, you know, we're letting go of uh, that we probably never thought we would let go of, but it's the right thing right now. Um, and I think we're doing a really great job in the midst of that, just like Molly said, caring for our people. So there's change involved in this. There is, um, you know, uncertainty about the future because it's different. And so making sure that we are transparently communicating often with our employees to make sure they understand the vision that we have for the future. And they really understand why we're changing what we're changing. And so I think we've been very intentional about that. Um, I think in, in addition to that, you know, we're really focused um, on product innovation. That's clearly part of being a consumer goods company and really looking at um, continuing to evolve and improve our customer user experience. We are, have never really focused on e-commerce, which I, I still, when I say that, I'm like, how in 2020 do we not have an e-commerce platform? Uh, we just recently launched a really beautiful new website that some talented team members worked very hard to pull together. And we want to do that by honoring our current channel partners still. It isn't to steal market share from them. It isn't to, you know, take away from what we're able to do at the Home Depots, Menards, and Lowe's. It is to give us better connection with our customers so that we can do better for Home Depot, Lowe's, and Menards and uh, have better insights into customer behavior. And um, that way it's successful when we place it in retail. So um, I feel like, you know, for us, it's just been constantly evolving um, and shifting our focus to make sure that we are able to achieve, you know, the three to four strategic initiatives we have set out in front of us right now for the next three years. So much wisdom. <laughs> so we know there's a lot going on. You just demonstrated that in your comments. And there's so much more to do than just keeping the wheels on the bus. It's also keeping the people on the bus. So let's talk about that a little bit. We can be hyper-focused on business strategy, and that's obviously vital. And once we know where we're headed, many of us shift to, I guess, change management types of activities. So, you know, that part's important, 
However, maybe we haven't spent as much time thinking about our most important and often most uh, expensive asset, which is our people. You both started in conversation about this, this space. What I'd like to know now is, as far as being intentional about your people strategy while setting your biz business strategy, what do you as executive leaders see as the aspects of this predicament that ring true for you? In other words, how are you intentionally focusing on your people? Uh, Stephanie, why don't we start with you? Okay. I think that, you know, transparency and authenticity are the two words that come to mind for me. Um, and I was actually laughing earlier when you said, uh, you girls seem like you have it all together. Well, guess what? I, I totally don't. I won't speak for Molly, but I uh, totally do not have it all together. Um, and so I think that being authentic with our people when we don't know all of the answers and not pretending like we can predict a future state that none of us know, look at 2020, right? Perfect example of what we thought we might be doing this year is not what we are doing this year. Um, so I think just being as honest as you can be with your people, um, the information is powerful and knowledge is powerful. So the more information they have, the better that they can engage in um, you know, serving your organization and helping you realize that vision that you have for the future. And a lot of that starts with just not being scared of change and not being scared to have those really difficult conversations. You know, yes, you mentioned our people are our most expensive investment and they're critically important. They actually need a balance of accountability and honesty and feedback for development and affirmation for what they're doing well so they can continue doing that and stay motivated to serve your organization. Um, and, you know, there are times in, in businesses um, that as a business grows and changes, the way it looks today might be very different than it looked when it started or during, the, during those infancy years when everything was fun and it was all hands on deck. And there might be people that actually are waiting for you to free them, to have a, a really difficult conversation um, so that they can go be the best version of themselves, maybe somewhere else. It may not fit anymore. And there's also great examples of people who have been able to evolve with the business and grow and develop as you've invested in them. And so I think you can see both sides of that, but I think what's really important is that you're not scared to have those conversations and that courage is at the forefront of, of how you're communicating with your team. Thank you. Molly, how about you? Uh, I think Stephanie said it very well and um, I don't have it together either. So <laughs> just to <laughs> clarify on that, um, but you know, I think um, I like how she said being honest with your people um, and, and that's definitely important. And I think we're one of the places that we're at is also trying to help um, help our people be honest with themselves and kind of like like what Stephanie said on on as businesses grow, some people grow with that um, with the business and, and they step up to bigger roles and, and step into what the organization needs. And, and some maybe don't make that leap. And so having those, first of all, identifying those people, because oftentimes we find ourselves looking at 
good people and they mean well and they're very well intentioned, but they might still not be providing what the organization needs. Um, so when that happens, our first step is to try to upskill and and work work through that maybe that gap and 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 help paint a picture of where we need to go. Um, but some, you know there are some times where that gap can't be closed, and so at that point there there needs to be that that maybe difficult conversation where as a leader you've you've made a rec- you know that recognition has happened and it shouldn't be a surprise to the the recipient of that hard message but oftentimes it still is um and so working through that um we've we do use that the phrase on what's the right seat on the bus um you know we try to work with our team members on what what is the right seat for you and and help them uh, maybe navigate what they were once very um, critical as far as you know a key a key role within our company but if that role has shifted and changed over time uh, you know for decades there are differences today than what than what were um, needed back then and so you know kind of how do we work through that how do we deal with the maybe the the emotional stressors that come with that self-evaluation and, and guide, guide those conversations. And, um, you know, one of the things that we are doing is um, we've had conversations with our, with our leadership group on what does high cap 2030 look like? What does high cap 2040 look like? And, and, and we're just, you know, we're fitting those into our, our, uh, you know, working around the daily crises and, and having those, those conversations and painting a picture of what we need. And then we'll back into what are the, what are the strengths and talents and um, things that we'll need to make that possible. So we have a, our group that's envisioning the future. They, you know, we are all working together to figure out what's it going to take to get there. And are we those people, all of us collectively or individually or are there, are there pieces of that puzzle that are missing and how do we go about finding those missing pieces? Um, we struggle in small town, rural Iowa to get people here. So um, we also have a role within our community on making sure that our community is a place that somebody wants to come uh, live and, you know, be a part of. So um, it kind of, those things overlap in a, strange way but that those are some of the challenges that we face when trying to put people in the right seats on the bus or even get them on our bus I love I love what you're saying it gives our audience such a real feel for what you both are experiencing in your worlds and the fact that you're in trying you're really trying to ensure you have the right people in the right seats doing the type of work that naturally suits them as a part of that mm-hmm. So in, in follow-up, can you tell us maybe about a time when you or someone you worked with actually transitioned from one role to another and you noticed a significant change output? Do you have an example you might be able to share of who or what drove that change? I do have a, it's one of my favorite examples and um, we're a fairly small company. So oftentimes 
we wear multiple hats and you know even sometimes we know it going in that wearing two hats is difficult and often impossible um but we there was a there was a time where i i had a uh, one of my right hand people he was wearing two hats and probably doing just okay at both of them but we really needed some some focus and oh i agonized over that conversation and agonized and agonized and finally um i i sat him down and i just said i need you to focus on this other role over here and all the all the stories that i had made up in my mind or not stories all the scenarios that i'd made up in my mind ahead of time there wasn't a single one that was as easy as what happened because he just said okay no problem i'll do whatever the company <laughs> I, I mean, I even had tears. I was, I, I just mm-hmm. felt, you know, like, oh. but I went into that. Um, I can't remember where I heard it, read it, whatever. Um, but there was a time where somebody said, you know, it just takes that it's 36 hours of pain. And then it, once you get through that, it's, it's, it's so much better, you know? And I thought about all the agony of, you know, the sleepless nights of having those, the, the, the playing out all the conversations and all the scenarios. And there were definitely 36 hours of pain, but since then it's been just um, in his new or more focused role, he's just knocking things out of the park. And, and that has been, I, you know, I wish I would have pushed my 36 hours earlier (laughs) because the, you know, then we would have had that output and, um, things would have would have shifted in in a different direction on on other things, but you know hindsight's twenty twenty. But but that one was one of my favorite examples of how it just went off without a hitch. So Molly, I have a, a quick follow up here for you. I, I'm so thankful you shared that example. I think first of all, it shows the the importance of of authenticity, which is a word we we've already talked about, and, and your intent. Right, you you came to that discussion with good intent. Um, and so I guess looking back now, um, it seems like that person is, is more satisfied with their role. They have a lot of clarity with what's being asked of them and they, they're kind of in their lane. Um, so that's a huge win, obviously, but can you speak to, have you noticed any, you know, kind of productivity or discretionary effort boosts as well? Definitely. I I think it probably for for our, our scenario, it was a lot more about the focus. And mm-hmm. when there, when there was a scattershot of all the things that need to be taken care of, there weren't any priorities. So, so really narrowing the focus to a, a much, much more focused set of priorities. It was, it was, there, there wasn't a, a bouncy ball of, of things going through his, his mind. So I think it just, it just kind of created a sense of calm and, and being able to really buckle down and do, do one thing um, and and do it well. Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. Stephanie, what about you? What comes to mind? I have so many of them. It's hard to pick one. Um, (laughs) I've got two that are coming to my mind right away. Um, And the reason I think these, these two that I want to share about are unique is sometimes you know, especially in a smaller company, promotional opportunities 
seem like they can take a long time. We don't always have that perfect path outlined for people. And that can be frustrating, disappointing, you know, to employees. Um, and it's so hard. That's one of the hardest things about my job. You know, people want us to focus on career pathing and I'm like, well, that's just so hard for us to do with our size. And we've got some really great success stories. So, you know, I can think of somebody who was a real up and coming person. Um, and I'm talking like line level employee, just high potential. You could tell right away. Um, and, you know, eventually that person grew to be a lead once we added a lead type of role in our plant. Um, and then recently there was a change in supervisor uh, level that nobody would have anticipated. That person had been here for a really long time and we just, you know, could not wait. We had no idea that this lead was going to be able to become a supervisor as well, but um, he's been in that role for probably three or four months now and is just phenomenal. You know, you can see the energy, you know, talk about productivity and yes, a hundred percent. They're very engaged uh, when it's the right fit uh, with their strengths and playing off of those um, and seeing them uh, value cross-functional collaboration. And I mean, it's just been a really awesome success story. Um, and there's many of those in our plants. We do have a lot of internal promotion in that space. The other quick example that I wanted to give is, you know, again, making hard decisions. We had a department within our organization that um, we decided to eliminate last year. And um, through that, we were able to retain one of the team members and found another space for them to go into. And that was through conversations that had been happening over time. Um, it, it's a very specialized space that was eliminated. And so for some people there, you know, wasn't something else that fit them, but for one individual who had some really unique skills and talents outside of that specialized space, uh, we were able to retain that person and um, they've been thriving in a different team environment with a different leader and contributing to the organization in ways that we probably wouldn't have quite expected. Um, and so I think that's just a great success story too, that you, sometimes you just, you know, when you get all the stars aligned and things are, are well played to strengths, you really can see these great benefits, both for the individual and the organization. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I got one more follow-up here, Stephanie, for you. Um, and, and from what you shared, what, what Molly has shared as well, you know, we're, we're hearing this this kind of theme of being um, proactive as much as possible. Um, and I'm curious if there's frameworks or tools, um, approaches that, that you've taken or witnessed at Craig Tool Company or elsewhere in your walk, Stephanie, that puts a little bit um, more of a, of a systematic approach to these types of things. I because I, I feel like what Molly Lopez and I often see with folks that we work with is um, a tendency for more of that gut feel approach. And of course, you know, we, we, we can't always uh, plan everything. Um, as you said, career pathing can be quite difficult. Um, we can't always predict what's going to happen. But nonetheless, I think we could all agree that being intentional, um, trying to put some sort of data towards these very nebulous, you know, people centric things is probably a good thing to try to at least attempt to do. So curious, Stephanie, what comes to mind for you? Frameworks, tools, approaches? Yeah. 
So we're not perfect at that by any stretch of the imagination. And um, I can name a couple of things that we're in the midst of. Um, so I don't okay. know how they're going to play out, but the sure, intention sure. is there to get better at this. And so as we identified earlier, I mentioned three to four strategic initiatives that we we're really going to focus on the next few years. Uh, the plan is to come alongside all of the sponsors of those initiatives to understand what are the people needs going to be in order for those to become reality um, and talking about those now so that we can identify where are the skills gaps. Um, if we don't have somebody on the team today, you know, what can we do to be building that over time so that they're ready when we need it um, or what skills do people have that we will no longer need? And is there a way to pivot that person to a different skill set, or do we see a different seat in the organization for them? And so that's the intention is to come alongside each one of those strategic initiatives to make sure that we have a people plan um, mm -hmm. that will align with that and set that up for success. The other thing I would talk about is we have an organization that's consulting with us right now that really helps to improve operational efficiencies, um, productivity and things like that. And they're working with several different departments within our organization. And one of the greatest tools they have brought to us is capacity and resource planning, which is really hard to do in some teams, but in others, it's easy where you have customer experience, where you have, you know, call center type of metrics that you can use to measure in the production area where you have widgets being produced per hour. Um, and it's really been I think empowering for the leaders. We've got just a couple of really great success stories with this where leaders before felt, I would almost say, um, disabled by their lack of data to make mm. decisions around mm. what resources do I need and do I have enough people? Do I have too many people? Am I expecting the right amount of output out of my people? And so there's been some really great tools that we've done through observation. Um, to just understand, you know, what can we expect in any given hour of any given day? And then, you know, playing that out so that we can align um, expectations for team members to hold them accountable to from a product productivity perspective. Um, and then how can we use that as we move forward? And it, the intention with this group is not to eliminate positions right now. That's not our intention. The intention is to understand what capacity we have. If we have excess capacity, great. We can either redeploy people, we can shift things around, or as we plan for our future, we know where our capacity exists so that we know whether we're going to have to add headcount. You know, for example, in the customer experience team, as we grow our e-commerce sales, they're probably going to have a higher volume of, of work. And do we have capacity built into that team that can absorb that extra work or will we need to add resources? All right. So we've talked about, we've talked about your companies, the manufacturing space. We've talked about people. Let's talk about you for just a moment here. Uh, leaders wear multiple hats. Molly, you referenced that before. It's common for leaders to have like a one size fits all manner of handling um, issues and so forth. And what we find is one size fits all just doesn't, doesn't work. Uh, it can lead to engagement and retention issues all around. So in talking about you, can you tell us a time when you felt particularly understood by a leader that you reported to? Yeah, what was that like? How did that impact your output of work? Uh, and on the other hand, if you had an experience where your leader was lacking in the leadership department, so to speak, how did that impact you? 
Yep. Um, well, I actually had a really kind of a twist on that experience where um, I had a, a gal, she actually reported to me, but I think she was probably more of my leader or uh, an unofficial mentor in, in that relationship. And um, she was so giving of her um, experience, really of um, her just coaching and mentorship and, and undying support. Um, and, and she's taught me, she had taught me a lot of, of, uh, what I needed, especially at the time. And what that was like for us is we, we could, we could dance with our eyes closed. We knew where each other were going to be. We knew the steps that were going to be taken. Um, and, and so that was a, just a fantastic experience because we were always in lockstep and, um, we, we spent a lot of time talking, brainstorming, thinking things through. And it, she had just a really, a really good way of maybe redirecting if there was a really bad idea that I had <laughs> talked about. And, you know, she would, she would just say calmly, well, that's a way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I uh, you know, that, that was so, that was such a valuable time for me and experience. And, um, you know, I learned a lot about just leading through people, um, meeting them where they are and, and really thinking about things from other perspectives. Um, and, uh, that was, that was a, just a great experience. I think we can all put ourselves in, in the position of where you're coming from. So thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Stephanie, how about you? Yeah, first, uh, I want to react to Molly's first story that she shared. I mean, I think it's commendable both on your part, Molly, and on the person who was mentoring you, you with the humility to let someone who reported to you uh, informally mentor you. I think I think that takes just a really strong human. And uh, then, you know, for the person who was mentoring you to be kind and grace giving and generous enough to do that. I mean, that's a really special um, experience that you had. So that was a really cool story to hear. Um, for, I guess for me, one of my personal values is connectedness and for how that shows up with whoever I'm reporting to is in relationship. And so for me, what's really important is that my uh, purpose and passions are aligned with who I'm reporting to. Um, and that they understand them uh, and see value in the perspective that I bring to the table. Um, and they care about me as an individual. So I, you know, I don't want to come into my one-on-ones and go through a checklist of things. I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about each other and, you know, demonstrating that we truly care about each other as individuals. Um, when you have difficult conversations that you have to have either as a leader giving me feedback or me saying something hard to my own leader, when you have that relationship and that equity built, uh, those conversations are so much easier um, and fruitful and know that they come from good intention and, you know, come from a place of caring. And so I just that I and I've had both sides of that I mean, obviously, in 20 years of work experience, I've had fabulous leaders that I have gelled with and, and really had great experiences with. And then I've had some others that have been harder. 
um, doesn't mean that I didn't respect them any less or anything like that, but just made it harder to make that connection. And because that's so important for me personally, um, that can be kind of what can define my own personal experience uh, with the leader. That's awesome. Well, thank you both so much. I, I'm going to change gears here for a minute as we wrap up the, the episode here. We've, we've been talking about, you know, people, uh, aligning people with work. We've touched on on leadership. We've touched on how do we put people in the right seats on the bus, knowing that there's a heck of a lot we're already doing to just keep the, the wheels on that bus. Um, but one of the other areas in business where this alignment of people with work happens is hiring, right? And so I think many of us can, can relate to that. Uh, we've been uh, hirees or on the other side of the table uh, at some point. And one analogy that I think brings especially true uh, for this is um, this, this concept between uh, the, the briefcase, the, the head and the heart. And so um, to me, I, I think most of us tend to look at somebody's briefcase when we're evaluating their fit for a job, whether they're internal or external, right? So their, their knowledge, their skills, their experience. And yet, what we've uh, come to find out through a variety of different research studies is that um, someone's values and the way that they think can often have a much higher degree of success when you're trying to predict job fit and how they'll do in that role. So, you know, somebody's heart with their values and their head, how do they think and what are their natural drives? And that kind of gets into uh, Molly, what you were sharing earlier about, well, what what is something that somebody's interested in, but what are they actually naturally good at? Um, so uh, with all that in mind, I guess the, the question for both of you is, um, what what have you learned to look for in a candidate, again, whether internal or external, that isn't on their resume, that maybe gets into more of that head or heart space? Um, Molly, well, let's start with you. Yeah, and this is a, it, it's a, ongoing uh, battle for us because you know an interview you can only you can only get a feel for that person in a you know a short amount of time so uh, one of the things that that we look for is just a simple how often do they use the word i um because mm. if you're talking in i i i did this i i that can often um really just give a a little bit of a, a pause on will this person fit into our team culture? Um, you, you know, I think that that goes, there are times where the word I is very necessary. So that's, you know, that's not a go, no go, but it certainly, um, it, if the general feel is I was the savior of all of my former employers problems, that can, that can often be a, a clue that there might be some trouble ahead. Um, we, in our interviewing teams, often we try to set some time aside ahead of an interview to really discuss what are we looking for and what are deal breakers. And, uh, you know, there are some times where being very, very precise and detail oriented, different jobs need that. And some jobs do not need that. Um, and so we're working towards building better clarity beforehand because you can, once you're in an interview, if you really like a person, you can kind of forget about all the things you were looking for because you just liked them. And so 
<laughs> or, or vice versa. You can maybe not <laughs> like them, but they have what you need. So we, you know, we, we tend to hire people that are like us. So then we get more people that of the skills that we already have. And depending on the situation, that can be a good thing, or that can maybe be a bad thing. Um, so each situation is a little bit different and it depends on if that team is looking for a, maybe a change agent, a catalyst of new ideas, or if it's really just to settle in on, this is how we do it. And we just want somebody that does that really well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so putting the time up front before searching Mm -hmm. for a candidate has, that's been where we're seeing some of the most success. And, um, and again, we, we feel very strongly that you can train on a lot of skills, but you can't train on personality. So if, if there's something that's just grading on this person's personality, that's probably not going to be a good long-term fit for us. So we, uh, we kind of have a saying, when in doubt, throw them out. And, Mm. and then it's just, We'll never know if we if we threw somebody out that we shouldn't have, but we will definitely know if we didn't throw somebody out. Yeah, yeah, good reminders there. Stephanie, what would you say? Well, hiring is absolutely more of an art than it is a science. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, no one ever hits the mark every time. It's, it's, it is a really hard thing to do. Um, I would say I'm, I'm a pretty gray HR person. I say I'm not super black and white. And I've also become that way in the last probably decade of my career. It's not, I haven't always uh, seen HR in that way. And so one of the things that I feel like I've gotten very comfortable with and can really see the benefits of is yes, there's the formal process. We have a formal behavior-based interviewing process, of course that assesses competencies and it actually addresses culture fit. There's some pieces in there about that, but you don't really get to know the human (laughs) and the person and their emotional intelligence. And some of those things that you can't see when someone is performing in an interview. And so we've gotten really comfortable with some informal approaches. Like a lot of our managers pre-COVID, like to just go have coffee with Canada informally, just sitting across from them talking about their philosophies. You know, I just hired someone on my team and I had coffee with five people and I just wanted to sit and talk like HR philosophy with them to make sure that they aren't black and white, that they're gray um, and Mm -hmm. that that will fit with, you know, my expectations and vision for HR at Craig um, and our culture. And so I think it's been, you know, make that process what you need it to be to see the things that you can't see in an interview and be comfortable that um, those aren't the structured, perfect, you know, legal HR processes, but they're necessary. And you can still do both. You can still make sure that you follow a more structured approach so that you balance. Do you like them? Are they a good fit? Like Molly was saying with Um, can they do the job and do they have the skills that you need? The last thing I would share is just getting multiple perspectives. So the, the behavior-based process that we follow uh, allows an opportunity for three or four, depending on the role, uh, different interviews with different people from cross-functional departments that might be peers, um, might be direct reports involved in the process. 
so that you get a well-rounded perspective of the candidate. And then we have something called a data integration session where we come together and we talk about all of the data that was collected through the process to evaluate the candidate as a whole. That's so that's so cool. Well, thank you both for, for sharing um, all of those awesome examples. We owe a big thank you to both of you for spending your valuable time with us today. And thanks to you, our listeners, for joining us. We hope today's discussion has provided you with new motivation, new ideas, or even new questions to raise in your own workplace about how to unlock better business results by optimizing talent and aligning people with work. If you have suggestions for topics that you'd like us to cover in future episodes, we invite you to send an email to bg at batonglobal.com. Thank you and be well. Thank you.